I don't know how they do school today. I hadn't been in there in a while. But back when I was in school, um, we had this thing in the middle of the day called recess. And it was my favorite subject, second favorite subject. My first favorite subject was lunch. Second was recess. And recess is where you went and you kind of blew off steam and you got to play a game or whatever. But every once in a while, the teacher would have an organized, um, like an organized game for recess. And they would pick two captains and the two captains would get on each side, and then the two captains would pick teams. You remember this? Does anybody, does anybody know what I'm talking about right here? Right, right, right. I still get stressed out from that because, first of all, I was never the captain because when it came to athletics, especially in elementary school, y- your boy was not athletic, okay? I mean, I, was, I, I could win a donut eating contest, but that's about all I could win. So I can remember standing there, and there were two team captains. Some of you remember this. And there was always, like, the team captain that you wanted to pick you because you knew that his team or her team, they were going to win. And then there was, like, the other person. That, that, and if you pick them, you're like, great, I'm going to lose. I can't tell you, and I'm not, I'm not making this up, the number of times I was the last person standing there. And then the captains would get in an argument. Well, you take Perry. No, you take him. Well, no, you take him. No, you take him. No, we'll take the next person that comes along. And, and it, was, it felt so helpless because it, you're standing there just wanting somebody to pick you, knowing that at the end of the day, you're probably not going to get, get picked. And if you do get picked, they didn't really want you in the first place. Everybody in this room probably remembers something like that from recess or school or like a pickup game or whatever. And that's the way some of us feel spiritually. Let's say, just hypothetically, that God told, like, Jesus and Satan, all right, pick teams. And and Jesus is kind of looking out at us, and he's like, I want that guy right there. Now, what would... would, what would draw Jesus to us? Like, wh- why would Jesus pick somebody? And if you grew up in church, you would say things like, well, Jesus would want the people on his team that, that always had their quiet time and memorized their Bible and knew all the books of the Bible and knew the apostles by name and, and knew all this stuff. And all that stuff is great and wonderful. But as we look through Scripture, the type of people that God seems to choose over and over and over again are the exact people that religion would usually reject over and over and over again. The type of person that Jesus wants to use is not the person that thinks they're good but knows they're not good. Over and over again, we see that in Scripture. So my question today is, if Jesus were to tell you that today he wants to do something in your life, that he wants to use you, my question is, would you be open to it? Because one of the greatest things about my phone, and most of you, have, if you have a smartphone, some of you don't have a smartphone, you got a dumb phone, that's great, you're probably better for it. One of the greatest things in the world, and it happened for the smartphone, one of the greatest things in the world is caller ID. Would you agree? Caller ID is from heaven. Because there are some people that if they call, you automatically pick up. You just pick up because of who the person is, right? Like Shannon, my wife, she called, I'm going to pick up. Hey, hey, what's up? 
well, yeah, I'm in the shower. What's up? Hi, how you doing? Good to talk to you. I'd be weird, but like it's my wife, so I can talk to her, right? And there's some people that when they call, you, you got to evaluate. Do I have the time? Like I got a friend, and uh, don't, he's not in this church, so don't start looking around and saying, it's you, it's you, it's you. They're, they're not here, okay? I got a friend that when their name pops up, there, there's no such thing as a short conversation with this person. It's going to be 30 minutes. And so you, you have to decide, do I have the emotional energy? Do I have, and then there, there's some people that it's like a heck no, I ain't, I ain't talking to that person. That's the way it is with Jesus. My question is today, if Jesus called, would you, would you take it? Would you have to think about it? Or would you just send him the voicemail? Now, that, that's not just a question for you. That's a question for, I mean, I wrestle with that too. So to answer it, we're going to look at the life of a guy named Peter. Now, Cole talked about Peter a couple weeks ago. I hope you were here. I hope you heard the message. If not, it's worth going back and listening to. It was a phenomenal message. But Peter's always confused me a little bit. Because what I was taught in church as a kid is that one day, Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee, sees Peter, Peter's fishing. Jesus goes, hey, come follow me. Peter left everything and followed Jesus. And we call that faith. I call that irresponsible. Seriously. If, like, we came in, like, we have staff meetings on Monday. If Philip came in tomorrow and said, hey, man, um, I'm quitting. And I said, why are you quitting? He said, well, I was out in the parking lot and some hippie came by. Um, had on a flowing robe, some Birkenstocks, and the most beautiful hair I've ever seen. And he just looked at me and said, Philip, follow me. And Philip said, I'm just going to follow him. I wouldn't think that was responsible. I would think that was ir- so, so there's got to be more to the, to the Peter story than what we know. So for me, several weeks ago, I dove into studying Simon Peter and what it took for him to actually follow Jesus. And do you know that Jesus drew Peter in through a process, there's four accounts of the life of Jesus, four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, we see different perspectives on a story. So what I want to do today is I want to show you how Peter went from, I'm going to surrender just a little something to I surrender all, to I surrender everything. And we're going to pick it up in John's gospel because John, the apostle John, wrote a story about Peter meeting Jesus, and this is really cool. John chapter 1, verse 35 says this. The following day, John, now now this John is not John the Apostle that wrote it. This is John the Baptist. His name was John the Baptist. He actually wasn't a Baptist, but but his name is John the Baptist, okay? The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look! Notice the exclamation point, so he's yelling. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but it's weird when somebody goes, look, look, there is the Lamb of God. So John had no problem identifying Jesus. Look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. So these are like the first two stalkers that Jesus ever had, right? Because they're following Jesus. Somebody ever followed you around? I, I had somebody not too long ago follow me around in Target. And I finally just snuck back around and said, hey, can I help you? Scared them. They're like, are you Pastor P? I was like, yeah, that's that's me. Can I get a picture? I was like, yeah, but don't be weird about it next time. So (laughs) it's a true story. It's a true story. 
So they're kind of stalking Jesus, and Jesus kind of turns around and kind of looking at the phone. And so Jesus just called him out. He said, he said, what do you want? And that kind of freaked him out. Has anybody just confronted you and you didn't know what to say? That's what, so that's what happened here. What do you want? Uh, Rabbi, where are you staying? That's all they could come up with. This is the son of God, and all you can come up with is where are you staying? But it worked. Because watch what Jesus did. Jesus didn't say, that's the dumbest question anybody has ever asked me. And the reason he didn't say that is because he hadn't met Peter yet, because Peter asked some dumb questions, all right? Come and see, he said. Now watch this. It was about 4 o'clock. Listen, I've read the Bible for 30 years, and what I'm about to share with you I've never seen. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Now, I don't know about you, but at 4 o'clock, you know what I'm doing? Getting ready for 5 o'clock. I wish I could tell y'all, man, I work from 9 to 5. But, but how many of you at 4 o'clock, you start getting ready for 5 o'clock? Because 5 o'clock is quitting time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so typically from 4 to 5, I'm just kind of chilling. So 4 o'clock in the afternoon is when they went to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. So the rest of the day, the sun's going down. Now, just got a question. How many of you have ever worked third shift? You've worked a third shift job. Okay. So if you've worked third shift, at 4 o'clock, you're probably still sleeping. Am I correct? Yeah. So because you're going to work from like 12 till 8, typically is what a third shift job is. So keep that in mind because Peter was a fisherman. And in the New Testament times, fishermen would not fish during the day. They would fish at night. They worked third shift. So when this had happened, Andrew meets Jesus at 4 o'clock, spends the rest of the day with him. It's about 9 or 10 o'clock in the evening. Peter's probably getting ready to get up and go to work. So Peter has planned to get up and go fishing all night long, which for some people in this room, that's like a dream. For me, that's like hell on earth. I hate to fish, but Peter did it for a living. So Peter's getting ready to get, go up, go out and fish. But Andrew is over here meeting Jesus, and watch what happens. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John had said, John said, and followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. Now that's a big deal because the Jewish people had been looking for a Messiah for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. The person that was going to come and set them free from Rome. So Peter, don't miss this, is getting ready to go to work. He's got his plans. He wants to do his life, his way. And all of a sudden, here comes Andrew running his mouth about how they just met the Messiah. And Peter's probably like, I'm, I'm sure he's great. I'm, man, I'm sure he's all, you say he's got nice hair. That's awesome. Glad he's got some nice hair. I got to go fish. But Andrew wouldn't take no for an answer. Watch this. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. I don't think Simon went along willingly. I think, I think fine, Simon, this is Peter, I think he was like, okay, fine, fine. I'll, I'll postpone my fishing 
for a little while to go meet Jesus, but then I'm coming right back. So don't, don't get me into a conversation or anything. I'll go meet Jesus, but then I'm going to, I'll give him some time. I'll give him something, all right? I'll just give him a little time, but that's it. I'm not giving him anything else. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, pause. <laughs> Can you imagine this? He walks in and Andrew goes, hey, this is my brother Simon. And Jesus is like, Anybody, anybody ever just stared at you, like stared you down? Like it's so awkward. That th this is the best thing in the world because you can be on your phone and you look up and you can be like, <laughs> you look up and they're sitting and you're like, okay, I'm going to hit the video button because I'm probably going to get, who is this guy right here, right? You just don't know what's going to happen. So he stares at him and it's just really awkward. And Jesus said, your name is Simon which probably freaked him out a little bit because he'd never met Jesus. Jesus called him by his name. He said, your name is Simon. Watch this. But you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means rock. Don't miss this. Andrew went and got, si went and got his brother Simon, brought him to Jesus and Jesus spoke life into him and ultimately changed him. Now, what does that mean for us? I'm glad you asked. Number one, I want this to be a place where you can bring your friends, your family members. I want this to be a place where you can bring people and they meet Jesus, period. I don't care if they like the facility. I don't care if they like me. I don't care if they like the music. I just want them at the end of a service, no matter what their preferences are, I want them to see Jesus clearly. I want this to always be a place where we can bring anybody on the planet, no matter where they are in life. I want this to be a place where people can be brought in and meet Jesus, period. Second of all, I want this to be a place where we don't try to change people, but Jesus changes people. That's what happens in this passage. Andrew, Andrew goes and tells Peter, hey, we've met the Messiah. Peter probably doesn't believe him. He brings Peter to Jesus and gets out of the way. And Jesus changes Peter. Jesus, don't miss this, Jesus spoke life into Peter. And my hope and my prayer, and I pray this over our church every single day, I hope and pray that this will always be a church that I, I, when I'm preaching or anybody preaching from this stage, I pray that we will be speaking life into you because we have death spoken over us all week long. All week, I, I got on the weatherchannel.com this morning and they were talking about some kind of death hole that just sucks people under. I'm like, oh my God, I just wanted to see, can I sit by the pool this afternoon? <laughs> Side note, I don't have a pool. My neighborhood has pool. I go to that pool. The reason I said that is because the rumor resurfaced this week on the internet that I am worth $40 million. Evidently, 
I was so drunk that I hid the 40 million and cannot find it. Like, I don't know where it is. So if you can find it, if you can find it, I'll give you half. How about that? The same Google article also says I'm 5'5". Because everything on the internet is true. Abraham Lincoln said that. All right, here we go. This was the first time that, that Peter met Jesus. And then he, then he moved on, right? This was the first time he met Jesus, and then he, he's, he's running late. Because you know what? Jesus will interrupt you. You want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans, right? Well, the second time that Peter hangs out with him is crazy. I'm talking crazy town. I'm talking Waffle House on a Friday night after midnight crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Now, some of you don't know what I'm talking about. That's, that's, that's fine. For those of you that do know what I'm talking about, though, we know what you do on the weekends, right? You, you, just need to, you just need to know that your life is good. Go to the Waffle House on a Friday or Saturday night after 12 o'clock, and you will walk out of there feeling better about yourself. I promise. Because Jesus had just been in the synagogue. And it's an interesting story. You can read it on your own sometime. There was a demon-possessed man in the synagogue. And Jesus, and that, that was weird, right? Because you wouldn't think those kind of people show up to church. <laughs> Unless you work in church, you know they show up all the time. But, but Jesus ca cast the demon out and whatever. And then Jesus, after the synagogue, th there's the after party. And, and the Waffle House event happens at Simon Peter's house. Simon Peter just met Jesus one time, and the next thing you know, Jesus is rolling up in his house. And this is where it gets crazy. Watch this. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home. Can you imagine that? It's, it's getting toward evening, and here comes Jesus. And you're like, well, I, I guess you can come in. I mean, I got a house, and you're welcome. Come in. Glad you're here. Get you anything? I'm about to go to work, but can I get you anything? Jesus walks in and kind of looks around, and, and he found Simon's mother-in-law very sick with a high fever. That's bad, right? You got your mother-in-law. She can't leave your house because she's sick with a high fever. I ain't saying anything. I'm just saying. Your mother-in-law can't leave your house. <laughs> Please heal her, everyone begged. Who begged? Anyone. Yeah, not Simon. He wasn't asking for it, was he? It's because he didn't know. But these other people, please heal her. Standing at her bedside, he rebuked the fever. How incredible. Like, I've rebuked my dog. But to rebuke a fever? Fever. Get, get your butt out of her. And it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. Most scholars believe this is why Peter denied Jesus three times. That's a preacher joke. It worked. I'll use it in the next service. Now, can you imagine, Peter, you've met Jesus one time. He spoke life into you. It's great. He comes into your house. Your mother-in-law's sick. He, all he does is speak, and then she gets up and starts cooking. 
So you're kind of scratching your head because this is weird. And, and, then, and as the sun went down that evening, so once again, if the sun's going down, Peter's getting ready to go where? Fishing. He's got to go to work. So he's getting ready to go to work. I got to go to work. But as the sun's going down, what's happening? People throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. Now that's wonderful. Except when Jesus is in your house. That means people are bringing sick people to your house. Now, me personally, I don't have the gift of hospitality. I don't. I've had people say, you're a pastor. You ought to have the gift of hospitality. I'm like, I don't have hospitality, and I don't have mercy, and you're pushing it right now. <laughs> like, when I invite people over to my house, there's the start time and the end time. Hey, why don't you come over for dinner? We're going to start at 6. We're going to stop at 8. What happens if they don't leave at 8? I'll shut the lights off and take off my clothes. I will. I will. <laughs> you are leaving my house. And if you're sick, if you're sick, don't come to my house, right? If you come to my house and you're like, Pastor P, I've been feeling, I'm like, no, no, you just stand right there at the door. You just stand, you know what? I'm going to close the door. You know what? I'll fi- you know what? DoorDash, I'll send you something to your house. Go home. I'm bringing sick people to my house. So, so, but people heard that Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law. So all these people start bringing sick people. Can you imagine Peter? He's like, okay, yeah, y'all come in. Y'all come in. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, oh, oh, you might, you might need to see a doctor about that. Okay, just, but just, just, um, and, 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 and this is what happens. Um, no matter, and, and, and second chance, I want you to listen. Don't miss next week because we're going to go deeper. We're, we're going to go deeper on this next week than I've ever gone in 30 years of ministry because this blew my mind. All the sick people showed up, and what happened? No matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed every one. I just want to plant this thought in your mind. We're going to talk about it next week. What would happen if every single person who needed healing and walked through these doors got healed? I can't wait till next Sunday. It's going to be good. But I'll finish with this Sunday first. <laughs> Many were possessed by demons. Okay, stop. If you're going to bring a sick person to my house, that's fine. But if you're going to bring the demon-possessed person to my house, could, could, we, could we draw a line somewhere? Once again, Waffle House after midnight. I mean, they, and let me, put, let me just put it out there. I believe in angels. I believe in demons. I, I believe in, but some of you are, I'm not sure I believe in that stuff. Well, you, <laughs> you watch Twilight and Harry Potter, so, I mean, that's supernatural. The, I, I believe in angels. I believe in demons. I've had experiences with both. I usually don't talk about them because it tends to bring out crazy people. I'll be honest with you. I can talk about experiences, and I, I remember one time this lady came up to me. She said, there was a demon in my car this morning. I said, what? There's a demon in my car. Walk me through that, ma'am. I tried to cut the car on. It wouldn't. I just started rebuking it. Did it work? No, the car wouldn't start up. Dug into it. She had never changed the oil in her car, driven it 75,000 miles. <laughs> ma'am, your car don't have a demon. You're dumb. That's the problem. I didn't say it out loud. I just thought it. I just thought, I'd say it now because I'm almost 50. But, but, but they're bringing demon. Can you imagine Peter? 
Jesus shows up, wants to come into his house. Yeah, yeah, come in. Yeah, you remember you changed my name. It's awesome. Oh, there's Larry the leper. There's, there, okay, there's this, okay, that guy, okay. okay. Oh, and then there's one guy coming in going, and, and Peter's going, oh, my, okay, we have lost control. We have lost control. We have lost our minds. And that was my best demon-possessed impression. I just, And the demons came out at his command shouting, you are the son of God. But, he, but because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Now, if, if you're Simon Peter, just a real quick question. Does this affect you, yes or no? Yes. So the first time Peter meets Jesus, Jesus speaks to him and says, you're going to be the rock. The second time Peter meets Jesus, he makes his house available, and there's all this, and he's like, I, man, there's, okay, something's going on here, and I can't deny this, but peace out, I got to go to work. So the next encounter that we see Jesus having with Peter is the one that, that we always tend to hear about or we remember. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him, listening to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. For the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. So it was early in the morning. Jesus is preaching. There's two empty boats. And, and verse 3 tells us, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked, Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So, so Peter had fished all night. He hadn't caught anything. We're going to find that out later. And Jesus walks up to him and says, hey, I notice you have a boat. I want to use it to teach the people. In other words, Peter, I just want to use what you've got right in front of you. By the way, Somebody here needs to hear this today because you're so afraid to surrender your life to Jesus because you're absolutely convinced if you surrender your life to Jesus, he's going to send you to Africa. <laughs> he, listen, he needs people in Anderson. I mean, Africa's important. We can all go there one day, but he needs people to, to like live for him in Anderson, South Carolina. And so for, for some people, surrendering your life to Jesus is just simply saying, Jesus, this is what I have. You can use it. Peter had a boat. He was like, okay, okay, so fine. Now, did this interrupt P Peter? Yes. This is the third time he's interrupted Peter. He never comes in Peter. He never comes when it's convenient. It's the third time he's interrupted Peter. Can I use your boat? Peter's like, okay. First time drug me to meet him, second time, tore up my house. We're still putting together a thing from like Donnie, the demon guy that like jumped out the window after, I mean, it was just crazy. So if he's asking to use my boat, I guess, I guess that's fine. You can use my boat. There we go. And so verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Now this is where have you ever, have you ever, have you ever argued with God? Yeah. When God told you to do something, you've been like, okay, see what happened was, I, I'm not going to do that because this happened. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but that, that, this is, this is huge because fishermen fished at night, not during the day. And so to fish during the day was not only was it a no-no, but Jesus was asking Peter to do it 
in front of other people. Which, by the way, let me pause. When people say, my faith is a private faith, that, that's the wrong answer. Your, your, faith is pri- your faith is personal, but it's not private. Jesus said to be salt of the earth and light of the world. And light is only good if other people can see it. We live in a world that's trying to tell us we can't publicly declare our faith. And I'm saying as a follower of Jesus, there's not anything or anyone on the planet that can shut me down or shut this church down from talking about the name of Jesus. So so this is where it gets crazy because Jesus, this is... This is a step of faith. I want you to take a step of faith in front of other people. Because Peter's sitting there going, other people are going, watch me do this. And so, so watch this. This is, this is his response. Master. Now, master's not, he's not re- he doesn't really mean it. It's more of a, it's like more of a mister. It's kind of like master. Master, here's the deal. Um, we worked hard all last night. Did you catch it? We worked hard. You didn't work hard. You slept. You slept. We worked hard. We, we, we worked hard all night. But like Jesus didn't know what they had done. But sometimes we got to inform him. We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so. That phrase right there. What if somebody here today in this room watching online, you're wrestling with Jesus, he's asking you to take a step of faith and trust him. And you, just like Peter, have reasons to say no. But you get to the place but you, and you say, all right, it doesn't make sense. But if you say so. In other words, he's saying, but this don't work. This is all on you. I will. I'll let down the nets again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. Now don't miss this. The miracle was not the catching of the fish. The miracle was the obedience that Peter had to let down the nets. Now I wrote this phrase down this week and I had to think through it. I had to think through it. I really did. I had to pause and I had to think through this for a second before I shared it with the church, because I wanted to make sure I could say this with 100% transparency, and this is true. I have never, ever, ever said yes to Jesus and him not bless me in ways that I could have never imagined. Now, he might not have blessed me in the way I thought he was going to bless me, but I've never said yes to Jesus and he didn't bless me in ways I never even imagined. Now, this is where it gets crazy. This is, I, I said all that to get to this place right here. Because remember, Jesus met Peter, or Peter met Jesus, and Jesus spoke life into him. And then, then they had the Waffle House of Peter's house where things got crazy and he saw Jesus work. But then, then Peter experiences a miracle and he says this, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. Now, I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hands on how many people could identify with this. Because we're all sinful people. 
Every person in this room is sinful. All of us. Watch it online. You're sin- and if you're not sinful, don't come back here. We'll mess you up because we're sinful people. Like we, we all sin. We all fall. I mean, this, that's what the scriptures say. We all sin. Peter was such a sinful person that when he got in the presence of Jesus and realized how incredible he was, he said, I can't be on your team. I'm a bad person. I am a broken and messy person. And what Peter didn't know is what I didn't know for years, and it's what some of you don't know today, and it's one of the messages that we're going to continue to repeat over and over again. Jesus only uses broken and messy people because broken and messy people are all that there are. It. Peter was saying, I'm broken and I'm messy and I can't be used. And Jesus essentially says to him, you can't be used until you understand that you're broken and messy. Because until until we can sing amazing grace and celebrate the fact that God's amazing grace is good for us and not just other people, then we don't truly understand how good God's been to us. Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. And and Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Just like you call fish, you're going to catch people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So we got some options. We got some options today when it comes to surrendering. We can go option number one. It's what Peter did in the first story where Andrew came and got him and said, we found the Messiah, we can say, okay, I'll surrender this moment. I'll surrender this. Now, every single person in this room, you're at this stage right now. And the reason I know you're at this stage right now is because you're here. You've agreed Jesus to give some time, just like Peter agreed to give Jesus some time. You've agreed, if you're watching online or you're listening to, to, a, uh, to this afterward, afterwards, like on a Monday or Tuesday, you've agreed to give Jesus some time. I'll surrender this. And that's a, that's a good step. It's a start. But if Peter would have said, I'll surrender this and wouldn't have gone on to the next step, then, then we wouldn't even know his name today. But today, cities and children are named after him all over the world. We could say, I surrender, I surrender some. And that's what he did when he let Jesus come into his house. I'm going to surrender some. I, you can come in here. You can heal my mother-in-law. You can bring all the demon-possessed people. You can do all this great stuff in the house, and it's going to be great. I surrender some, but I'm, I'm still going to go fish. And there's some people in this room, listen, I know what this is like. To have one hand holding on to Jesus and one hand holding on to something else. But then Jesus showed up and did a miracle in Peter's life. Now, I know the pushback here. Pastor Pete, if Jesus did a miracle in my life like he did Peter's, I'd follow him. I would simply say to you, what would you consider the resurrection? And empty tomb is a miracle for all of us to look at and say if he can do that what could he do for me 
if I got to the place where I just said, I surrender all. See, Peter, Peter pushed back on Jesus and said, I'm going to, I don't really want to let down the nets, but I'm going to do it because you said so. When he did, he experienced a miracle. And the rest is history. Jesus used this broken, messy person who kept falling down and getting back up. Jesus used that guy to change the world because he got to the place where he said, Jesus, I surrender all. I'm here to tell you today that spiritually, that's the place I hope that I, 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 that's the place I hope that I am. That's the place I believe I am right now. That's the place I want everybody in this room because I can tell you that your, your plans don't work here, but his plans do and his plans are greater than our plans. What would it look like if you today said, I surrender all? Because Jesus has surrendered all for us. I want us to think about that for a few minutes as we pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I want to thank you for surrendering all for us on the cross. I want to thank you for surrendering all to us. As your word says, that you always hear us when we pray. I want to thank you for the times that you were close to us even when you didn't, we didn't feel close to you. Father, I pray over these next few moments as we just reflect on these words in this song. God, that this song would be the prayer of our hearts, Jesus. That we would not just surrender some, but we would surrender all. In Jesus' name I pray. Father, my prayer is that will be our prayer. Heads bowed and eyes closed right where you're seated right now. Maybe that's what you need to say to Jesus this morning. Jesus, I surrender all. You've been wrestling with a decision for weeks, maybe even months, maybe even years. Right now, Jesus, I surrender all. Maybe you're here this morning, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come in your heart because you thought you were too messy. But listen, broken and messy people, man, he's just drawn to them. So if you're here today and you know you need to ask Christ in your heart right where you sit right now, I want you to pray this in your heart. Just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus Christ, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sins. And right now, Jesus, I receive you into my life. Come in and take over. In Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed to receive Christ, if you just prayed that prayer and gave your life to Christ, would you do me a favor and hold your hand up and hold it up high because I want to pray for you. I want to pray, for, I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. If you're online, you can do a hand for us. Jesus, I want to thank you that you save people. 
I want to thank you that you change lives. I want to thank you that you use broken and messy people. Father, I pray that we would allow you to interrupt our plans because your plans are greater. We love you, Jesus. We ask this in your name. Amen. Hey, before you leave, before you leave, second chance, let me just say this. If you, if you need healing in your life, or you know someone that needs healing in their life, don't miss next Sunday. It's going to be one we never forget because I believe God still heals like he did in his word and next week that's what we're asking him for I can't wait I can't I wish there was one person in the room that could get excited with me because I believe God is going to do something great I hope y'all have a phenomenal week we'll see y'all next Sunday God bless